0: Hi, and welcome to Nightclerk Radio episode 64, where today we are doing a little remembrance episode for Cesar Alexander. Cesar Alexander was a Brazilian multi-genre, multi-talented producer in both Vaporwave, Dark Ambient, Space Ambient, all kinds of genres. Uh, but unfortunately, in April of 2021, passed away due to complications from COVID-19. So I think that's kind of a heavy opening 45 seconds there. Sorry, everybody. But that's what we're getting into today. I am joined by Ross, of course. Hi, Ross. Hello. Hi. So I think probably the first question is because this was somewhat of a joint idea is, you know, why do this remembrance episode like 18 months later?
1: Yeah. You know, I heard about, you know, him passing away last year, but I only knew him as his vaporwave uh, pseudonym Haven Virtual Plaza. And that was one of the first Vaporwave artists I actually recognized the name. But mm. recently I found out he also was on the Cryo Chamber label as Mount Shrine. And uh, I apologize for calling him Mount Shine in the last episode. <laughs> Slip of the tongue, it happens. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I'd enjoyed Mount Shrine's music on Cryo Chamber for ever since he started putting out albums on Cryo Chamber. There's actually a couple of really there's a really good mix of his music that Cryo Chamber put on YouTube. That is something I've listened to multiple times. But what really uh, triggered this is the Cryo Chamber released his last album that, you know, he made. And it's one of the albums we'll be reviewing. And that what came out on August 9th of this year. And I figured that was a good time to look at at his music yes that's what triggered it was the release of the uh, cryo chamber album we'll be looking at today but it's a weird moment it's it's this person across the world uh, who made music i loved in two different genres that i love for you know he started making music in 2013 at least Uh, that's when some of his first vaporwave albums appeared and uh you know for eight years i've been listening to his music on and off and then before I even realized who he was, he was, you know, a vaporwave artist especially. Mm. Vaporwave and Dark comedy, you artists know, artists are just these weird names, and you don't really associate real world people to those names. Yeah. And it's just, you know, another casualty of this pandemic world. And, you know, made me reflect on my own mortality and um mm. just uh, the state of the world, but like it's this person across the, you know, on an, in a, you know, in another continent had a taste in a, in a, uh, uh, for music that I loved and that, you know, something that they could do resonated with me so much. I don't know. It, it just,
0: it made me reflect on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth uh, discussing. Yeah, I agree. So I'm largely in the same boat as you are. Like, you know, at the time when I heard that he died, I didn't really want to do an episode both because like our backlog and timing kind of make it weird sometimes, Mm -hmm. but also like, I just didn't want to be a podcast of like, even if it's not the intent just being even maybe perceived as dogpiling on a tragic event when everybody else Mm -hmm. was much more connected to the scene had actually interacted with him, talked to Mm -hmm. him, helped with his music, whatever we're we're doing very nice tributes. Like it just felt weird to do Mm -hmm. it. And then, like you said, this, this album coming out, realizing it's the same person A lot of reflections there, both about the world offline of of like real people are behind all this music that we listen to. And and you sort of know that. But there's just things like that that really, really drive it home, really make you realize it. Another thing is also
1: just, you know, in the real world, like Mm -hmm. outside of you (laughs) and a few other people, like no one else shares my musical tastes, really. And but Mm -hmm. to know that someone across the world, obviously, had similar tastes because they, they made music that I loved. And, and clearly there's a lot mm-hmm. of this that sort of resonates with me and like resonated with Caesar and to know someone around the world had those that like, mm-hmm. I was not alone that like that people all over the world have these, the, these tastes and like, it makes you feel connected and also in a way more isolated because now he's gone and we'll never have more music from him.
0: So. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. It kind of makes this almost feel like a, you know, We always talk about the atomization of people. You're kind of like being forced to be increasingly discreet and kind of isolated. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this podcast stuff has been like an inverse of that, of like Mm. interacting with other people, kind of breaking down that, like, I don't have to be the only person in my area. And I probably never was. I just didn't know it. So like, you know, Ronnie and everybody is just a few hours up the road from you. You had no idea probably that there is such a huge vaporwave scene in St. Louis. Maybe, maybe you did, but it's, it's in some sense right there. You just just far enough away that you feel isolated. Yeah. Well, so I, I think, think the yeah. internet can kind of undo that. But then also in terms of musical tastes, it does really make me wonder how many of these anonymous people are like people I like, or even disliked. I like projects by somebody I hate,
1: mm.
0: you know, uh, which I don't hate anybody really, but just as an example, like, is there somebody who's like, Oh, their music's gross. I, I hate this lazy vaporwave or whatever, but then they also make like <laughs> awesome dark ambient. In this case, this person made awesome music of pretty much anything that they tried to release. Yeah. And then I think before getting into the actual album, kind of the last point for me on this is I do think there's an important curation aspect here. You know, we talked about this on the Visual Signals episode, but the way I describe it is like everything happens so much and so fast Mm -hmm. that your kind of experiences and memories become disposable. They become like quickly replaced by new things so I don't know if, if even one person missed the passing or like had forgotten or, or wanted to get back into enjoying their music again, I think a little reminder doesn't hurt, you know, ensure these people aren't like forgotten, which I don't think they would be. And I don't know if we're the breaking point on that, but like to do our little part of chronicling some aspect of vaporwave history, even if it's a, a sad one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at the, um, cryo chamber mix i I listed earlier which is called songs for lonely rainy nights Mm -hmm. uh, mount shrine archives uh it has over half a million views on youtube and just the comments are all you know a memorial to them and you know people talking about i listen to the i sleep to this playlist every night Mm -hmm. i just found out about you only to learn you recently passed away that hurts and yeah it does but like at least there is this there you know it, it is ephemeral as youtube videos may be and youtube comments may be at least there's mm-hmm. this and i mean it makes you think about you know your own place in the world um it's i think <laughs> it's very perfect for this style of music too because like i think it's sort of like the kind of thing uh caesar would have wanted was just uh songs for lonely rainy nights and this that sort of encapsulate a lot of his music
0: yeah yeah i agree so Unless you have anything else to say, I probably just think we should talk about the albums because they're really, really good. Was a little bit from track two weather scanning off the 2013 classic NTSC memories. This is just an absolutely classic Vaporwave project. It's one of the ones that I knew when even buy just part of this incredible like 2013 run, uh and into 2014 of mm-hmm. like this Daily Night Euphoria EB Transversal World Shopping, all albums I really, really love. So I re- I really could have picked any of those three and mm-hmm. been pretty happy with the the result but i went with this one because after his passing in 2021 tiger blood tapes did a reissue with the idea that the proceeds would go to his estate uh, i don't know if that's still true as you know a year ago but it seemed like the best way to kind of support the artist
1: yeah actually i have bought one of those tiger beat tapes uh, mm.
0: so they still had some of the vinyls i might grab one yeah they i think this would be great on vinyl yeah maybe i'll do that but yeah, so like I said, this is a, a total, total classic. I think it's like an interesting little time capsule. So that was the first thing I I thought of is because we talk so much about genre and and subgenre. I think that's interesting how many different sub styles are kind of represented on this album mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, oh, there's there's everything from like upbeat corporate wave type synth <laughs> stuff. There's mm-hmm. like really spacey flanged out ambient there's classic plunderphonics, phonics which is what the the opening sample was that's just an amy winehouse track yeah not just you know other work is done to it of course we've talked about no. this but very classic plunderphonics driven vaporwave so it's interesting that all this kind of exists in one tape before all those subgenre splits kind of occurred or as they were so, so i almost wonder if it's also like proto signal wave not that it really matters i just thought the historical context of, of, of the variety because it it didn't occur to me at the time, like this type of mishmash of stuff was always Vaporwave to me at the time, mm-hmm. before it became like hyper-genretized into Mallsoft or Signalwave or Utopian Virtual or mm-hmm. Muse, Corporate music. So I thought that was like just a really made it like a joy to listen to, just all the variety.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I think this is sort of a really good encapsulation of like what Vaporwave was like in 2013. Like mm-hmm. it was... Very Plunderphonics-based, very sample-focused, very much on the lo-fi production aesthetic as well. There's a lot of static and crackle and distortion, uh, and it's very good. Relistening to this album, I mean, I hadn't listened to it for years. I'm struck with how, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of Infinity Frequencies, you know, especially Mm -hmm. with the... If I had to categorize it, I would categorize it as like a signal wave beats tape, Mm -hmm. because... It really focuses on these loops and these these hypnotic like uh, finding a really good loop and modifying it and then letting it play out for a few minutes before moving on. And as you said, the loops, the the samples chosen are a wide variety of genres, but it still all has that sort of like almost kind of like uh, it also reminds me of out of like early DJ Shadow and like Mm. down tempo kind of trip hop aspect of it. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, there's a lot of tracks. I I don't think we can go through every one. Mm. So I want to talk about some highlights, some things that were interesting to me, some things I learned, some little time capsule Mm. sort of facts sitting in the the, uh, titles. The first of all being, because it's maybe the longest conversation or sort of the most interesting. So track 14 had the, to me, enigmatic name... Of modern Broperwave landscape. do You know what Broperwave is, Ross? I do not. It was a 2013 term for like meme lazy Vaporwave. It was similar to BroStep versus Dubstep. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, it's like a whole thing. I found a Tumblr just full of like Vaporwave is dead memes. Nice. I just thought that was funny because I mm-hmm. put it in uh, in the show notes and Google Docs didn't spell check it. And I was like. No, so I I googled it and I was like oh it's a that's a whole real that was a thing the vapor war of 2013 when it started to get the rise of the lazy slowed down and reverbed yeah I mean even in the beginning people were
1: like just all calling each other out for being Mm -hmm. lazy or you like oh unimaginative Um, so in some ways I, I and I don't think this is unique to vaporwave any any sort of like small art scene is very you know, the knives are always out, like uh uh for other artists, you know, their mm-hmm. securities are <laughs> attacked before you get attacked, I guess. Uh so yeah, some things <laughs> never change. Mm-mm. But I mean this kind of transcends it, like you know, like the the curation of the samples and the fact that even though the all the, the sample sources are of wide variety, we have things like you mentioned Amy Winehouse, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of other samples we'll get into, but like It's still all every track has this kind of continuity to it. Like, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, like I said, it it, it literally goes from like track four is like upbeat synth and sax solos and then just immediately goes into like spacey ambient with like big filter sweeps and like industrial drums Mm -hmm. uh, on track five. And then track six is back to like glitchy. Yeah, kind of
1: like more hazy. Yeah, the sensor a little. Yeah, Yeah. so
0: uh, here's an example. So this is some of the kind of glitchy haziness from track six LXK entrance. So it just has like really great synth base. Like I love the synth base tone of this. Cool synths. I don't know if it's sampling. I assume it's sampling something, but I don't, I don't know what it is. One thing in this is that I do feel like a lot of the samples are like isolated stems, Mm -hmm. not just taking the whole song and slowing down. So like that Amy Winehouse sample, that's just the guitar and drums and bass from that song. Like didn't have any of her vocals. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Track 12, which is a luxury advertising interlude feels a lot like that like it's kind of violin and some like backgroundy vocals it feels like something that would be in the background of a track in the 70s when they did like the orchestral funk like they had like violin parts in funk songs if you remember mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that disco era it feels like a slowed down version of that type of backing track mhm yeah this album
1: does have like a uh, who sampled page and it doesn't list <clears almost throat> every track so, and I think every, every single uh, track is got something sample, but like sure. track eight NTSC forever mm-hmm. is, uses the BBC radiophonics <laughs> workshop logo, but I actually listened to the original, like BBC music versus what, you know, what Caesar does. And, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's, there's a bit of work. It really does shift its tone and it's sort of like vibe by the work he's done to, to make it sound, you know, more down tempo and more, more relaxed. Uh, I guess.
0: I thought you were going to mention the big sample for us. Well,
1: I, I, oh boy, Uh, (laughs) you know me. I do. I do love uh, uh, track seventeen. Local local stopping Mm. because uses Boards of Canada. Boy, does uh, it. Yeah, and he uses it so well. Uh, There's a reason why I like this album so much. Uh, And Boards of Canada is also like a plunderphonics heavy Mm -hmm. group. Uh, The the track is that is sampled from boards of Canada's open the light, which is from the music has the rights to children. And uh, let's see here. Yeah. Who knows what music that they uh, sampled for that. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that was obviously a highlight for me. Uh, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. um, I did also like track 14 cause it gets kind of like utopian virtual with that. Like, I don't know what that's like a xylophone or something, but like, it's very mm. nature wavy mm-hmm. kind of,
0: yeah i really liked some of the tracks that felt like that like track 16 web mod let me play a little bit from that as kind of my last sample because it was my favorite track i think on the album mm. So this is definitely a a very low-key track, Mm -hmm. as you can hear, but I loved it because it's like five minutes of just this gentle nature sounds. It feels like I'm in like like a virtual future wellness spa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very meditative, yeah. It felt like, um, yeah, but like meditative in a very forced way. Like, not that the track isn't like calming, Mm -hmm. but that I felt like it would be um, like if a character in like a Verhoeven satire or something went to a futuristic...
1: Okay. Yeah. Like a hyper real.
0: Uh, yeah. Like uh, a hype. Like, yeah. Like an yeah. extreme version yeah. of it. Like a parody of like a, a right. wellness app or like a mindfulness lecture or something like mm-hmm. that. Like it's an extreme version of that. But I also just really liked listening to it. So it works. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. it works.
1: hmm. hmm. I think I heard like some sitar in it. Like it was very, mm-hmm. uh, very new agey. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, this, this album also samples Silent Hill. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it's
0: it. got
1: all the, it's got all the bases covered. Uh, yeah. Kira. Uh, Oh, Yamaha, uh, is Silent yeah,
0: yeah. Hill. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that.
1: I believe it is. Uh, yeah. I've been losing you is the track sampled from it's in this album on, let's see here. Busan Sutton Sut. Uh, and that's, I've been losing you is in the Silent Hill sound box. Uh, Okay. which is i think a compilation of several different several different game soundtracks mm-hmm. so
0: yeah but then it also has like <laughs> chill summer jams on track 13 which is set outline which is like mm-hmm. almost like outrun parody <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's true like slow down outrun parody in a way so like this this album just touches on so much so much stuff that we normally have have talked about in the, their own isolated context and it's all just uh of mashed back together like mm-hmm. it was just before the great genre splits or whatever you want to
1: <laughs> yeah again like this early vaporwave it was it was more whatever gets the vibe right rather than mm-hmm. like this genre has these conventions and you should follow them and and also you get back in the days where plunder phonics was the only way to make vaporwave <laughs> <laughs> get the fuck out of here original compositions Damn, um
0: don't paste vaporwave i love you fine <laughs>
1: I love all my vaporwave album production techniques. <laughs> I don't
0: care much for original
1: compositions. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So unless you have anything else to say, I'm just going to leave it with, I really enjoyed revisiting this album. I know I listened to it back in the day, mm-hmm. but I have so much more context for the genre now that it's a, it's a really enjoyable listen. I I highly recommend it.
1: is a sample from track two peaking cold from mount shrine the album is called all roads lead home it is uh his last album and it was mastered and designed by uh simon heath atrium carceri the the person behind uh cryo chamber mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was released just a little under a month ago august 9th uh, 2022 and you know, a fitting capstone to a, to a great career, but you know, it is a sad and reflective meditation on loneliness and isolation. But in, in some ways it's so reassuring that it's unlike a lot of dark ambient albums, there's no sharp edges. There's no, you know, dissonant, like, you know, you know what I mean by like sharp edges in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no harshness to it.
0: Yeah. So the liner notes described it as sedative ambient, which I thought was quite fitting. These albums are always tough for me to do on these episodes because my first thought is like, boy, is this a cryo chamber album. <laughs> yeah. But again, they, they know exactly what they, they want to put out there. And mm-hmm. as, as sort of callous maybe as, as that is, it, it always works for me is the thing I always find them enjoyable to listen to, even if I may unfairly not listen to them as closely as I do, like a really varied Vaporwave album. I never regret the time invested in this type of stuff. I always love listening to it. So like clearly just need to, to fix my attitude <laughs> on, on my end.
1: Well, it's actually tricky to do like a close listen to a dark ambient album. It is, it is so sedative or seductive in a, in the sense that like once you start listening to it, it's easy to absorb it and, and lose track of it. It, it, it kind of carries you away uh, mm-hmm. without you realizing it, And then you're like, Oh shit, I need to be focusing on this. And that, that's sort of like its appeal is, yeah, this is an album about like water in a lot of ways. It's about like the moving mm-hmm. water. It's, it's, uh you know, you can make all kinds of, you know, metaphors about being carried away and, you know, but like, this album, there are just waves of sound that carry you away. It mm-hmm. just carry you off. And it's very good late night listening. Like when I want, you know, in some ways it is the auditory equivalent of a, of a glass of warm milk to, to help you go to sleep, which is not mm-hmm. like a bad thing. Cause it's yeah. actually very complex uh, and layered and textured soundscape. It is all only four tracks, but it's about 36 minutes. And yeah, I loved it, too. Like I said, it's been featured in a lot of the cryo chamber mixes. Uh, well, actually, it hasn't because this is brand new, but like mm. um, it's, previous
0: Mount Shrine stuff has. Though. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but I feel like this is the, like a very, the most sophisticated version of it because um, mm. there's a lot of different elements that go into it. So like in track one, which is called uh, Foliage Floor, there's a lot of like there's a lot of crackle to it. There's a lot of like static and these like very faint but audible uh, radio vocals. Mm. contrasting with us you know the sweeping soundscape and the sort of murmur of these they're not quite asmr they're not quite comforting because you know distorted radio number station kind of recordings but you can't quite understand what they're saying i really like Mm -hmm. that level where you can know that someone's talking but you can't Mm -hmm. understand what they're saying like it's both ominous but yet it's kind of like okay yeah it's nice you're alone but you're not
0: Mm -hmm. yeah those types of little details i think are what makes this type of stuff stand out as much as it does have like a lot of similar elements you know like that growing you you start with like i call them windy since like you always feel like you're they they're very good at making you feel like you're outdoors Mm -hmm. but yeah like you said the static voice over the radio and kind of they they build up in like the processing complexity like effects start to layer and like chord voicings like slowly widen and change or other pieces join in i think those little details go a long way so like in track two, your sample Mm -hmm. The timestamp you chose, I don't know if it's as noticeable, but there's throughout this track, there's like really interesting background percussion. There's like little Mm -hmm. robotic industrial, like melodic effects. Like they sound like little robots or something. Like they're like these little like beep boops. Yeah. And, and they're just, they just hang out there and there's all these subtle effects. There's like the rain field recording type sounds. There's other nature sounds. I think there's like bugs and stuff in there perhaps. Like as as it builds up to the kind of the synth part that, that you chose, which is like the not really the drop, but you know what I mean. Like the the first part is is a lot of just these effects, mm-hmm. and there's just all those little layers.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of contrast in this album, especially for um, a dark ambient album. Um, like the next track, track three, Forest Fire mm-hmm. has a lot of like crackling static contrasting with these rolling soundscape synths, and I I, I like that because you know there there's a lot going on at any. Given moment, uh, and there's these mm-hmm. sounds you think you identify, but you can't quite. So, and it just kind of keeps on flowing by you.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you used the word crackling because that was the most interesting thing to to me about this track. Because at first, I thought it it felt a lot like the first track, but with like the little details being changed, which do matter, right? Of course, that matters. It is a different construction, but the processing on the static almost felt like somewhere between static and also like I thought of like fire crackling, and I don't know if that's something that's actually there or if i just saw that fire was in the track title and then i heard the static and it was crackly and i was like oh that sounds more like fire crackling mm-hmm. but it almost sounds like it's like burning in the background
1: yeah so like i said there's even even for dark and the album there is a lot going on and even even later on their their the spoken voice comes back in the forest fire but again mm. it's too low to be understood so the mystery builds and then in the final track which is the title track all roads lead home. This track is also, again, there's contrast between this, a very strong white noise at parts with like thunder and synth pads. And it sort of builds up to not quite a crescendo, but it definitely builds up, especially in the sample, I pick before it sort of gently drifts off into the fog. Yeah, I I, I think it's just a beautiful way to end an album. It's, I don't know, I, 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 I like the track too, <laughs> but it's interesting that these sort of like, refinement of these techniques especially of contrasting like very gentle sounds with a couple of like not quite harsh sounds but just interesting sounds uh, gets you
0: yeah i think a word for these albums that i i always use probably too much is evocative i think they're incredibly mm-hmm. effective at making you feel something could be something different for everybody you know ambient is about uh, about that emotional response more than like you know, musical analysis of I really liked uh, this diminished Arpeggio here, you know, it's not like, that's not the point. So there's, there's less like details to talk about per track, but overall just um, such a great album. And Mm -hmm. like, I just, the thing I'm just struck by is, is just the variety, like all the, all these projects they worked on were so good. Mm -hmm. He had like another ambient project also which I found out reading some of the memorials people wrote. Oh, that's right. So he also has one called Yasu ether, which, um, I'll put a link to one of the albums. All that's here will be sunlight. Also a fantastic ambient album, not this type of dark ambient. It's much more like drone. And I should have known because he tags the album is also as Mount shrine so that you Mm kind of know they're, they're connected, but also just like great ambient, like a, a slightly brighter version of some of this, like very, um, feeling like you're outside in the space field recordings a little more, still a little more open. It it was a new project. I think he probably wanted to do more ambient. Maybe, I don't know who can say after the fact, but I feel like maybe he wanted to do more, but didn't want to deal with the dark ambient tropes. So it's like a slightly different approach. Yeah. But it's also really good. So that's going to be the show notes too. That's kind of like an unofficial third album for this episode. So also check that out. Another uh,
1: mix that I put a link in, there there's a pod, another podcast called a, a void podcast which is a mm-hmm. dark ambient podcast and they just post mixes and the uh, person behind that actually was a friend of Caesar and they just talked over the internet and he put together a track a mix which includes Mathabiki and another dark ambient name called Kagu Taba which is something to check out but yeah so like Again, like a lot of these artists, Caesar had a lot of different faucets and it's a it's a tragedy. He was unable to continue his work.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope that this little remembrance of some of the projects of, of Caesar Alexander maybe has inspired you to go check out his music, or make some of your own, or just remember all the great stuff that he put out. Next episode, we are going to be talking about the music of Doom, which uh, I guess I'm circling back around to my earlier point of, of chasing uh, views, so to speak. But you know the the Quake album. Was very popular mm-hmm. and was really fun to talk about. And Doom, both the early '90s originals and like the 2016 revival, have really interesting aspects to the music that we're we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: talk about. In a sense, you can make an argument that it's blunderphonics,
0: at least the originals. Yeah, <laughs> you can make a very strong argument because <laughs> it. Blah, blah. Anyway, check out <laughs> next time for more on that. Uh, so if you like. This episode want to hear us do more we have a patreon at night clerk radio at patreon.com We do a bonus episode every month we're adding some more rewards to try to keep it a little more active we are working on writing some essays about vaporwave that we hope to have be in zines and maybe eventually a book of its own so we're posting like drafts of those uh, the bonus episodes for the next few months are probably going to be focused on our thought process and sort of putting ideas together for those essays. So definitely check that out. If you want to talk to us otherwise, you can find us at Nightclerk Radio on Twitter. I am at Burke McBerkinson. Ross is at Ross Payton. We're also Nightclerk Radio pretty much anywhere else. Facebook, Instagram, websites, wherever you do choose to interact with us. Just take a moment to click five stars or like or whatever. It really helps out. And most importantly, do a little word of mouth. Tell friends, family, enemies, build communities. So thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye.